0: Fence and dummy half. It's with the halfback Williams.
1: Williams goes himself, Comes out the other side. Gets it to Croker. Bounces away from a would-be from Duguis. Puts a kick out wide. Looking for Shander Earl. And Earl is in again.
0: Oh, stop it. It's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby. Right
1: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Supercoach Playbook Preseason podcast. I'm your host Tim Williams. Joining me tonight is the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are we? G'day
0: all, uh, mate, very teased by last weekend's trials, this weekend coming up, all I want is some footy, but look, we're a week away, so I'm ready to go, we've had some good chat on social media during the week, some good banter from old SC Brew, so keep it coming everyone, it's been very good in the lead up to round
1: one. Yeah, and with your Heating up pretty quickly, both on the field and the air, the social media chat's been awesome, so plenty more of that to come. With us tonight is 2019 Supergates champion Des Creek, Des, how are you mate?
2: I'm good mate, how are you guys going?
1: Good mate, very good to be, a bit of rain coming down outside, a bit, uh, bit of excitement after the weekend, Ken. so yeah, we're good to go. Boys, tonight we've got heaps to talk about, we're going to recap all the trial action from the weekend, look at the guys that caught our eye, perhaps a, a bit of a look at the guys who went off the boil a little bit. We're also going to look at how the lack of cheapies has impacted our team select- selections this year, there's been a lot of questions on that. We're then going to look into the stack of questions we got on social media throughout the week, we should have a fair bit of time at the end for that, so that'll be good as well. Guys, if you haven't looked at the site yet, jump on to scplaybook.com.au for a stack of our content from The Spy, Des, myself, Walson, and a bunch of others. You can also get us on our socials feedback at scplaybook1. We do have a subscription service in place, $30 for all our NRL content, $40 for NRL and Big Bash. I've been doing these massive analyses, It's taken me about, six hours a day to, <laughs> to get them all together, 2,000 words plus of every player in every team. So jump on and have a look at that if you'd like to. I did a Dragons one yesterday that's free to read if you want a bit of an idea of that. Guys, the season ramps up next week. We'll be action starts in the NRL round one next Thursday night. We'll be looking to do two podcasts, myself and the Spy on Tuesdays, then myself, Walson and Dez on Wednesday. So keep an eye out for two of us next week. Anyway, let's get into it. We've all taken a bit of a look at the trials from the weekend and jumped onto the things that have, have piqued our interest. The big one, and a lot of questions coming forward this week as well, is Moses versus Cleary versus SJ. It seems to be getting harder and harder by the week. Guys, let's say you have to pick one of those guys. Who are you going with? Des, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, the more I've been thinking about the halfback position, the more I sort of realise it's much the much right now. Like, they'll probably all average roughly around the same amount of super coach points. So. I think for me, Cleary and Moses are more sturdy than SJ injury-wise. So I think it'll have to be one of those two. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think that the halfback position will be somewhat sort of irrelevant to start of the year.
1: Yeah, well, do you think that the, the initial decision, it's just, as you said, it's much of a muchness. We know they can all go high. We know they can all go low. Are you thinking there's, there's a fair bit of luck in the decision, decision? Like there's only so many factors we can look at?
2: Yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I think I, I'm I'm going to stay with Cleary. I think, I don't know, i just got an inkling that he's he's going to go extremely well without Maloney there. I, I can see why people have gone Moses, though, because of the draw. But I, I just think it's it's really not going to be that much between them, and it's it's not going to be the position that gets you the massive head start on the pack, uh, which we know is pretty important if you want to rank highly, I think, half-back's, something you 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 just got to bypass right now and just lock in who you want to
0: yeah interesting thoughts desi um Look, this has been a question that's been bugging me for a couple of weeks. I've got my boy SJ in there, who I'm just undecided on. Mitchie Moses I've had a, a good look at, and I'm a little bit like you. I'm I'm sort of each way on him. I don't think it's a bad thing to go for him, but I'm not convinced he's going to be outstanding either. And then I honestly think Cleary is going to be the standout half of, of 2020. I really think by the end of the season, barring injuries, he'll absolutely kill it. But back to the strength of schedule, he plays Melbourne – Roosters and the Raiders in the first five weeks, which is stopping me locking him in at the moment. I know I said in, I think, the week one pod that he was just in, but that is a bloody tough start. And do I look at something something like starting with George Williams or A.J. Brimson on the bench to make some cash for six weeks and then bring Cleary in? I'm sort of half-thinking about that at the moment. Um, but it's a hard one, but that's sort of where my head's at If if you guys have any thoughts.
1: Well, if it's only... <laughs> If it's only strength of schedule in those first few weeks that you're worried about, but you're backing Cleary to be the superior player, surely you save the trade and just stick and pick with Cleary, who you probably have for the entire season.
0: True, but in saying that, that's probably a trade I'm looking to make. If I make that six weeks in, know he's had his three toughest matches out of the way, possibly made some points elsewhere through strengthening other positions and then being able to upgrade with a little bit of cash made over two or three weeks. That's sort of where my head's at. So it's not—it's a decision I'll make next week, but that's thats my logic at the moment.
1: Yeah, nice. I'm genuinely torn. I've, I've been tossing and turning between all of them. I thought I'd settled on SJ if I had to have one of them, but... He didn't look overly sharp in the nines, which you know he normally excels at. He missed the game on the weekend against Manly with a virus. I'm just getting more and more worried about SJ. The Sharks, wouldn't say they're a basket case, but there's a lot going on off the field. There has been for a fair bit of time now, so I'm torn. Anyway, luckily we've got, well, we're running out of time. We've got about a week and a little bit to decide, so that's an issue as well. Dez, I know someone who caught your eye was Josh Mansour. I did a team analysis on Penrith a month back and I really liked the look of him this year. Uh, looked fit in the trials, was good on the weekend. What do you reckon there, mate?
2: Yeah, well, anyone who's played Supercoach for a few years knows what he's capable of when he's in form. And I, I think he is in form. He's looking fast. His work rate's high. That's that's all you really look for when you're looking at Mansour. You know that the tackle bus and offloads, the tries, they'll come. they will be the cherry on top. But, yeah, he's obviously going back from a bad injury. But falling guns, they could be what get people ahead. And I think Mansour is a cheeky little pot in the centre wing. I think he's yep. good for his price.
1: And you're willing to put him in your team or <laughs> here or there? at yeah, the
2: moment? I've got him in. I've locked him in. I think I'm absolutely going to start with him.
0: Can I go back to my point, Des, before just to raise this and get your thoughts on him? I agree he could be a sneaky pod, but, again, they've got the three best defensive sides in the comp over the first five weeks. That would be my worry about playing him and spending that money. Does that worry you at all? Or are you happy just to get him in, let him work?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get him in. I think his work rate's high enough that yep. he's sort of fixture-proof fixture in that aspect of it, and I think... He's, if you're going to start with Mansoor, you're going to keep him. He's he's a keeper in the centre wing. Everyone knows that. He's, he's played for a few years. But, yeah, it's just whether it's whether he gets back to his best or not. But I think he's, he's still worth starting with, even with yeah, that a, draw.
1: It's a good shout. When you talk about fixture-proof, it's not a term we often associate with outside backs, <laughs> particularly wingers. But... We know that Mantle has the base stats, or at his best, has the base stats where he can hopefully rack up sort of 40 points without scoring a try, which is a rare thing. So, And then if he can cross for a couple, happy days. So I don't mind that shout at all. Um, Des, you also didn't mind a couple of Titans players on the weekend, potentially a few pods there?
2: Yeah, I, I think it'll be hard for the Titans to get any worse than last season, realistically. Brimson and Ash Taylor are the two that I've been looking at the most. Um, They sort of remind me of the Moses and Guthrie combination that I started with last year. And we know if if a team's going to bounce back, then it's normally the the halfback and fullback who are going to reap the rewards, super coach wise. So, I mean, I'm not saying the Titans will make the eight, like they won't, but they, they won't come last, is what I'm saying. There's points on offer in that Titans team. They've got, they have attacking prowess. Um, it's it's normally just the defense that lets them down, so I think yeah I think the Titans will score points. I think people will be surprised.
0: Yeah, I don't um I don't mind the Titans either. I actually said last year on paper they looked okay to start the season, but things didn't go their way. But going back to Brimson, I did had a little look last night at him while I was trying to sort out my halves scenario. He started twelve games at fullback in his in the last two years where he's played the full eighty minutes. And he's averaging just a tick under fifty six. So for what he's priced at, we know how explosive he is. If he gets that starting role, then you could, in my opinion, do far worse than locking him in. Even if it's a bench role, and you look to maybe play him against weaker sides, he's right in on my watch list at the moment. What's
1: he priced at? Do we know? Around three fifty k, I think.
0: Three fifty. So it's about a thirty eight average for memory. So if he can average fifty plus, which I really think he can, that's good money, good points, and then you can upgrade from there.
1: Yeah, nice. And I really like the shout, and there's been a few people have sort of brought up Ash Taylor and A.J. Brimson, and we'll get to him in a minute, but I'm going a little bit cold on George Williams, but I feel like we've almost got to pick him just because of the lack of cheapies, even though he's a little bit above cheapy range. And you look at Ash Taylor, who we've seen him be not a super coach gun of the past, but certainly the, I think, mid to late 50s averages, and he's a lower price than him. So, I mean, it's very tempting there if, if you like me and you are going cold on George Williams. We'll get to him in a sec. Valentine Holmes kicking goals over Kyle Feld at the Cowboys. Spy, interesting for you, mate.
0: Yeah, I was sitting there Saturday night and I was actually down the coast and had a bit of trouble watching the trial games with the internet reception, but I managed to watch a bit of the end of that game. And when I noted that Holmes was kicking over Kyle Felt, it's just justification that if it was someone you were going to take a punt on, Valentine Holmes, I'm not personally to start of the year, but if you were interested, then that's just justification that if he is going to kick goals, it's something you can really do because he wasn't going to be kicking. I'd think you'd have to put a line straight through him at fullback, but... So far, he kicked in the trials, and I believe Felt was on the on the field. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm. anyone, but that's a huge tick if you're interested in him.
1: I'm so happy about that, because Felt, doing the analysis, again, it was about a month ago on the Cowboys, and when we, we weren't too sure who was going to be kicking goals, and looked like it could have been Felt or Val Holmes. You add an extra 10 points onto Felt's average of 50, a guy who didn't score a heap of tries by his standards last year. He was going on to average about 60 points, and there was this really slight temptation in me to go Kyle Felt. I knew how stupid it sounded, so now that's just diminished any hope of that, thank Christ. Yeah, but the maths did add up, so maybe we've missed a trick. But anyway, not to worry. Um, And the really interesting one, we spoke about Nathan Cleary before, but we talked about our dearth of cheapies on offer. It looks like Jerome Luau is now... He may or may not be, but possibly losing his stranglehold on the halves position there alongside Cleary at the Panthers. Matty Burton's been pretty impressive in the trial games. Des, do you still see Luau getting the start in round one? I mean, I we're going to have a good cheapy on offer, but job security is an issue.
2: Yeah, I think he'll start. I, I, I read something today that um, if Coruscant is going to get spelled, then Luau is going to come in and Burton will come off the bench in the 14 role. But personally, I've thrown in Billy Walters over Luai. I just think the cloud is is too much hanging over his head. It's just not worth the risk. I think his ownership will plummet over the next week or two.
0: Yeah, I think on that, whoever gets named round one for Penrith, he's a pretty good cheapie. I mean, I think it would be unusual for a coach to start a guy, give him confidence in round one, and then suddenly drop him two weeks later, unless he was disastrous, of course. So... Pending cheapies, who's available? Where does Billy Walters get picked? Um, I'd be pretty happy to lock in whoever gets named in the halves with Cleary next week.
1: Yeah, one of the Brisbane game, they got dusted by the Titans on the weekend in their trial game. Tony Staggs is a guy who's caught the, the eye of myself and I always caught the spy's eye. Jermaine Osako's fallen off the radar, seemingly just out of nowhere at the Broncos. Jack Bird looks to be the number one fullback option. He's become a real serious pod this season. Stags should be taking over the goal-kicking duties, which is massive for his Supercoach credentials. Spire, you're pretty keen on him. I love Katoni. Uh, I think he's one of the best young players in the NRL.
0: I think that game translates to Supercoach points. He's on a dry track at Suncorp. He should hopefully get some good service from Croft um, and got milfed on the other side. So either way, he'll get the ball. And if he's goal kicking at the moment he's in my
1: side and I'd be happy to take a little, little pod punt on him. Yeah, he averaged something like seventy or seventy-two points in the last eight weeks of last year. Um he didn't do anything too dramatic there. He might have turned up on one occasion, but I'm with you. I just I love the way he plays. I think Brisbane are in for a big year as much as I hate to say it. And I think Staggs with the goal kicking duties could be in for a big one. Des any interest in Stags for you?
2: How much does he cost?
1: Staggs is about four fifty. Yeah, about the 450-60 range. Yeah.
2: That's, it's a bit expensive, though. I mean, he's a great player. I, he's got a massive ceiling. I had him at the back end of last season, actually. But I, I just couldn't I couldn't seem to pick which which weeks he was going to turn on. Every single week that I had him in my team, he'd, he'd always flop for about a 20 or 30. And when I left him out, he'd always get 90 to 100. So I know that he can burn you as well, that's for sure. I think at 450k, it's a bit too much for me.
0: I will say there, first of all, no love for the man that helped get you home. He was in your squad, took you to the premiership, and and no love. Yeah. But from my
1: end... Um, there's no there's no loyalty left in the NRL these days. There's no loyalty in Supercoach either, according to Dez. That's so. it,
0: but look, that's why he's a champion. Um, but yeah, I love I love Katani Staggs, and I'm not saying anyone has to buy him or anything like that, but that's just someone I've got an eye on, I, I may well start with.
1: Yeah, nice. A Luciano Le Lua is a guy that a lot of people are real keen on this season. I know fellow contributor, Walson, is really keen on him. His minutes are the issue. He looked pretty good on the weekend alongside brother Joey there. Spy, you've got an interest in him. What sort of minutes do you see him playing? Or how many minutes would he need to justify the purchase for you? To justify the purchase,
0: I had a look at his points per minute based on what he did last year. Obviously, that's not going to necessarily be the same, but it's probably a reasonable guide. It was 1.13 a minute. That equates to a 68 average if he plays a 60-minute roll. if he played an 80-minute roll, sorry, that would be a 90 average. Now, look, no one expects him to average 90, but that's the sort of credentials you get with Luciano. I do believe the Tigers need points this year. That's been their downfall for many a season. So I can't see why you wouldn't start him on that right, right edge and hopefully he plays big minutes, 60-plus. And if he plays 80, you're absolutely laughing. Des Luciano for you or not?
2: Yeah, I've got him in, but I'm I'm still 50-50. It's it's really like flip a coin on him. I, I like his ceiling. I like his he, he really does have credentials. His PPM's high. I think he I think he should get the minutes. And I think yeah, that's the deciding factor.
1: I'll it could be the other,
2: and see though.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing that'll help Luciano a lot is the fact that they've got this hooking conundrum at the Tigers where it could be Josh Reynolds starting, it could be Billy Walters. Moses Embi has gone for two to four weeks with an MCL injury. They have to sort of pick one of these Walters or Reynolds at 14, which means they can have three sort of middle or edge forwards playing with a hooker there, or a utility, should I say. So that bodes really well for Luciano's sort of 60 to 80-minute credentials. Absolutely. That's a really good point there, Timmy. Um, I'll also
0: add that on the on the trial on the weekend, I think he played about 60 minutes. And whilst trials aren't everything, his, his, min- his point-scoring was around sixty, I believe. So again, that's just just a bit of extra enticement to lock him in, hopefully.
1: Yeah, um I say it over and over again, and we don't need to look into trials too much. We had a good indication and it helps us pick our sides, but don't overdo it. Going against that theory, Liam Knight I thought was exceptional on the weekend. He really impressed me. I didn't have him him in my team. I now do. He just he played decent minutes there, which was an indication that Wayne wants him to play decent minutes and wanted him to have a good hit out to make sure he could do it. But he just looked agile for a big fella. Most importantly, he was offloading, which I didn't think he I knew he had one in him, but not as prolific as he did. He was offloading at nearly every chance he could do. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's uh, Bennett trying to get make up for the loss of sort of John Sutton and Sam Burgess there and get that second phase play for the guys like Cody Walker and, and Latrell Mitchell. <sighs> Liam Knight, I just I c I don't think I can not have him now. You know, we can't have all these sort of guys around four fifty K, but he looks the goods to me, Spite. I agree. Um
0: I was unlucky enough that my feed dropped out about fifteen minutes into the charity shield, but I had a look at his numbers later on, and they're outstanding based on last year as well. And big minutes, hopefully this year. I think he's a really good selection just to get you those get those points ticking over early in the
1: season. Yep, yeah. Des, Liam Knight?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm looking to bring him in um, somehow. I think you have to have him with those sort of numbers. He's at four fifty k if he's starting starting lock. He's he's pretty much a Cam Murray prototype from last year. That's that's pretty much what Cam Murray started out last year, around 450K, so may as well get him in, I reckon.
1: Yep, not a bad rap there. Uh, and speaking of Cam Murray, he played on the edge. We didn't get a great look at him. It was a pretty scrappy game, as pre-season fish just tend to be. I'm still really keen on him. He'll be in my team round one. Tell you one thing, I thought Cam Murray was going to be playing on the right edge, and I think that was a, a pretty general consensus before teams were named last week. But playing on that left edge outside... You know, Cody Walker, trail out the back, Braden Burns on his outside. That's massive for me. Spy, are you keen on Cam or not? I am. I just don't think I can fit him in, unfortunately. I saw his numbers from,
0: from Saturday night and the work rate was still huge. If you're sitting outside Cody Walker and still being able to run that short ball inside the 10 off Damian Cook, man, it would be hard to watch him because I love him. And if he's not in my side, it would be very scary. Scary viewing.
1: Yeah, and I know uh, I Des and me disagree with that one on Cam Murray, and he's the champ, so I won't throw it to him. I'm the host, which is the beauty of this. I can ask what I want to ask. So, <laughs> so Des, we're not getting your thoughts on Cam Murray because it'll come back to bite me. Um, speaking of the cheapy scene, it now looks more and more like Jason Saab and Tristan Saylor are going to miss out on the wing spot of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. It could still be Saab, but Michaelia Ravalawa, the Fijians, started there on the weekend. Des, are you are thinking it? It's hard to say, I know, who it's going to be, but based on the fact that he started on the weekend in a pretty strong Dragons 13, is it going to be Ravalawa? Is Saab gone?
2: Uh, yeah, it is really hard to say. I think that if, they'll probably give it to Ravalawa. I, I don't see why they wouldn't start Saab if, if it was going to be him. I think it'll be Ravalawa. He's got experience there from last year. He played pretty well last year, I thought. He was a good cheapie.
0: Yeah, I think Ravala will only get better if he plays. He was pretty raw last season. And I'd have to think if it's your last big hit out before round one, you're not going to name a winger that you didn't have in mind for round one. Things could change, of course, but I think Ravalala looks like he's starting. The beauty is, come next Tuesday this time, we'll know exactly what's happened. We can start really looking at our sides properly because we'll know the team lists.
1: Yeah, and the issue there is that uh, it's looking more and more likely that we might have to start – one or two non-playing reserves in our team if cheapies are that grim. And it, Saab's a guy that you can see playing maybe relatively early in the competition, but at 270K, he played three games last year and averaged about 40 points, scored in, I think, two or three tries in that time. That's a lot of money to be carrying for a bloke who may not play. So it's Yeah,
0: he scored every game he played last year, I think, all three of them, and his base stats were pretty poor. So... Look, I personally, there's no way I'd play him if he wasn't named, but each to their own, and it could be could be an option, of course.
1: Yeah, the Raiders knocked off the Bulldogs 12-10 up in Port Macquarie. SC playbook contributor Sammy Williams scored the match winner and kicked the goal, so happy days representing our team there. <laughs> um, Again, not a great trial to go much on, but the one one thing to note was that Joey Tappany, who's a pretty popular purchase for round one at, at a nice little price there, he was really good. He's a guy I've had in my team confirmed in my team ever since John Bateman went down. I see him playing big minutes along with Corey Horsberg. Horsberg was good as well, playing on an edge, which was in, we knew it was coming, but that was more of a test than anything. He went pretty well there. Um, Des, Tapene, Horsberg, yes or no?
2: Yeah, yes to both of them. I think I'm going to have both absolutely locked in by now. It's just, yeah. it's just a matter of whether I – yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to fit in both Horsberg and Knight in that front row. But they're both so appetizing. It's, it's another one where it's just fifty fifty and it might not even come back to really matter. They might average the same sort of same sort of scores I'd I'd
0: suspect. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, I definitely have Horsberg locked in. He offloaded a few times as well on the weekend. He did say after the game that there were possibly a few silly offloads, but keep keep him coming, Big Red. That's excellent points. And Tarpany, I'm going to reserve my judgment till Teamless Tuesday and see how my money's looking. But I've always been a little wary on him just because he burnt me a while back. But certainly the credentials are there. He's a very good footballer. If he's getting those big minutes, then uh, points galore, potentially, if it goes your way.
1: Yeah, guys, I'm getting – there's obviously bias here with Sam Williams, but I'm getting a little bit cold on George Williams. The more people I speak to and I just – the more I'm looking into these lack of failed playmakers and backs that are coming out into the NRL, and I can't help it. And, I mean, again, you can't go much on the weekend's game. George held his own. He was solid, but he certainly didn't do anything too enterprising. On any other given year – tell you that much. I'm considering guys like Brimpton and Ash Taylor's as alternatives, particularly if Billy Walters gets named to start at hooker. Spy, what are your thoughts? there? I, th- I think we're going to have to pick him, but what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I've been wary as well ever since he got named to come over here, and not because he isn't a good player, but just because of that cross the NRL can be so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think it's one of those things that everyone's picking him, so if you don't take him and he suddenly averages 60-plus in the opening weeks, you'd probably be be filthy but as des has said before it's about taking a punt at times maybe you take someone like taylor and see if you can outscore him it's a really big call for super coaches Uh, but i guess from my opinion at this stage i'll lock him in and it's someone that you can trade pretty early if you think he looks really poor but it's a big call the halves is tough this year
1: yeah uh quickly on the tigers before we finish up on the trials recap very significant in that Benji Marshall kicked a few goals on field while Adam here was on the field, which I wasn't keen on Dwayne regardless. But for mine, if Benji is the goal kicker, which has come out of nowhere a little bit, I don't think you can even consider Dwayne Spy, uh, Spy, what are your thoughts there? 100%
0: agree. I, I don't mind Dway if he's kicking, but that's super concerning. And you probably won't know until they actually start playing next weekend. So that's huge. Huge watch, and I think for me, you can't take him under under that. I'd rather like a Zach Lomax or another cheapie. Um, concerning is probably the word. Des, what do you reckon, made on Adam
1: Dwayne?
2: Yeah, I've shipped him off out of my team. I, I completely agree with you guys. I think there's better options at 320k or whatever he is. Lomax is definitely one of them. He's I think he's just more consistent. You know that he's probably going to kick goals. so I don't see why he wouldn't pick Lomax over Dwayne.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Uh, Moving on there, let's get into uh, the cheapy tactics. And I want to have a look at how the lack of cheapies has impacted your team selections for round one. And I know it's a pretty in-depth sort of question there. There's a lot of different tangents you could go on avenues to to answer this question. But the way I see it is this, and stick with me because it is pretty deep. I think you can go a gun... A guns and sort of average or less than average cheapy strategy or even non-playing reserves getting in these 170K guys or even 200K guys who they might not make any money for you, but it allows you to get a bunch of guns in your team. I think what happens there is you get good early season points, but you're really putting your squad at risk of getting no value and generating any cash, burning a lot of trades to get any decent money makers in your team. Option two, which I think is a little bit more popular, is having a mixture of guns, plenty of mid-rangers, and a few decent of the better cheapies and maybe a couple of non-playing reserves. In this case, your points might suffer early in the season, but in the long-term view of things, I think your team value is probably going to improve. It'll set you up for the long run. Des, if any of that made sense, thoughts, mate, and, and just on the, the general cheapie scene yeah, in general?
2: yeah obviously yeah yeah, i agree it's the year of the mid-ranger i think uh i think there's there's enough good mid-rangers that it sort of counteracts the lack of quality cheapies we have and i think super coaches will just need to realize that making money won't be as easy as last year but i think if you if you pick the right mid-rangers they might just turn into keepers and and that's sort of that's all you That's all you really need. You won't need to even upgrade them. That's what I'm hoping for from half of my, mid, my mid-rangers my there anyway.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm glad you said that, Des, because I've got a lot of mid-rangers at the moment and I've never had that. And I was like, gee, this goes against the grain of everything we've ever done. But it's an excellent point. There's a lot of real quality mid-rangers potentially who could become keepers blokes we haven't even spoken about were like patty Carrigan on the weekend was enormous if he starts at lock starting for the broncos i'd love to have him in Jaden sewers in there as well if he gets named i know he got knocked out on the weekend luciano Corey horsberg i've got Brimson with a look in at the moment um look there's a lot of them there and they've all got a lot of potential so at the moment pending all the cheapies i could have a real stacked back row of potential potential keepers who are mid-rangers at the moment. And if I had to move one or two of them on, that's fine. That's what our trades are there for early in the year.
1: Well, I am going to detour very quickly. Lots of questions on Carrigan v. Flegler. Who are we going with? Can you have both, especially when you've got Fafida in your pack, when you've got Payne Hass in your pack? You know, some people are tempted by TPJ. <sighs> It looks like Flegler probably gets the starting role at prop in place of Matt Lodge, which should be long-term. Joe Offen-Gahee is going to miss the first two weeks due to suspension, off-field suspension, that is, which means Paddy Carrigan probably starts at lock but probably revert back to the bench when Offen-Gahee returns. Even with Carrigan off the bench, I see both men probably playing pretty similar minutes. But I'm thinking... Carrigan being one of the fittest blokes at the Broncos has a higher ceiling to play bigger minutes and extended minutes, whereas Flegler's probably locked into his 40 45. Des, what are your thoughts there and who would you prefer of the two if you had to pick one?
2: Oh, definitely Carrigan. I think yeah. I think his, his game's a bit more supercoach conducive as well. He's got he's obviously brought out the offload. And we know that offloading offloading is huge. It's huge for Supercoach. You really have to look at guys who offload.
1: Yeah, and so how about, hypothetically, uh, Offengar, he is playing in round one. Carrigan's named on the bench. Flegler named to start. Does your decision change or not?
2: No, no, it's still the same. Huge. The champ has spoken.
0: The despite. champ has spoken. Yeah, I'd have to have a serious look at it if he is named on the bench, but having a quick look at some just some numbers from the weekend. Again, trials aren't everything as we spoke about, but work rate can be a reasonable indicator. He had 20 runs. 35 tackles and only missed two, and a bunch of tackle busts and an offload. So that's a pretty damn good performance, and something that it makes you you go, hello, mate, and tick some boxes. So that's what really got me interested. And he's a bloody good player as well. So he may hold the position. Who knows? Um, That's sort of the upside that Carrigan
1: has. Yeah, nice. On to how continue on with how the cheapies have impacted our selections. The more and more I look at it, I don't think you can start the season with Damian Cook. I know that he could drop below 20% ownership and be like one of the greatest pods of all time. But with only cheap, he's basically available maybe in the halves and obviously definitely at hooker. I think you have to – everyone will have Braley. But saving, what, 400K just about on going to Apicorosau or one of the other, <laughs> Billy Walters, someone like that. I think you're risking falling behind financially a hell of a lot if you start with Damien Cook. What do you reckon, Des?
2: Yeah, I agree. That's pretty much why I backflipped on my article a few weeks ago saying that Cook was pretty much a lock-in. You can just lock him in. I mean, you still can, no doubt, but I think I think the cheapies is just – yeah. you have to go Coruscant and Braley, I think. Otherwise, you just fall behind the pack in terms of all the other positions.
0: I'm a, I am ai do agree with you, boys. However, I don't think it's as drastic as that. I think if you started with Cook, he could could still be outstanding for you right up to origin. You'd obviously lose some depth elsewhere, so it depends who's named next week. Uh, in saying all that, I do have Appy, Coraceau, and Braley in my side at the moment. I guess the only concern yeah. around that is if something happens to Coraceau early, it makes it awkward to get back to a starting hooker who you need you'd probably have to drop a gun from your side or a mid-ranger down to a cheapy it's all doable That does isn't to say you can't do it but that's probably the only risk but with everyone doing it as well that limits things in terms of the risk factor you get him and if he makes his cash and gets your points it sets you up really well for the rest of the year doesn't it
1: yeah absolutely you can't especially if you're going to win the overall game you have to be looking long-term, not short-term, all right? It's all about money and getting your team. I know points are important, and Des has spoken about that heaps in the past, but you do have to look at team value in a tough year like this and be a bit more strategic. The one other spot that's really been impacted by a lack of cheapies for me and has changed completely is the halves. If Billy Walters starts at hooker, I'm very likely going to go Walters, George Williams or Ash Taylor there, Jerome Lou out, and then a gun such as Mitchie Moses or Nathan Cleary. And then stack my back rowers where there's so many gun options there, just because again, there's the cheapies appear to be in the halves and at hooker. Um, initially, I probably would have had three guns in the halves, but I don't think we've got the luxury of doing that. Des, what are your thoughts on starting with three cheapies or semi-cheapies, low range, mid range, uh, mid rangers, and a gun half?
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of that. I've I've actually got Cleary and Monster there currently. I think you need two guns, and then you can just set and forget in a position that's so hard to nail down. You may as well just start with the two best guys, and then have two cheapies like Williams and Walters or Lua. That's that's the way I'm looking at it.
1: So should say Walters does get named at hooker, Luau gets named at halfback as we expect. You'd be happy to cut a George Williams or a Jerome Luau to keep the two gun halves.
2: I think I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep Williams. So far, I've got Williams, Walters, Cleary, and Munster. That's, that's the four I'm running within the hives currently.
0: Okay, nice. spite. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit on your side, Tim, for this one. I don't mind just having one gun half as it stands. I've got Munster in there as my my superstar half, and then I'd have to decide who my starter is. At the moment, it's Georgie Williams, uh, but that could change. The thing I will add is I've kept 300K in my bank at the moment, which allows me an upgrade to Cleary if I want to do it from George Williams, but also some flexibility around the hooking position and the fullback position if I want Tommy or Teddy. So that flexibility I think is key leading into the round one team list because things can change so quickly. But, yeah, I don't mind having just the one good half and I've also got Brimson on the bench at the moment, so (laughs) a couple of mid ranges again. I've got a lot in there as it stands, so we'll see where we stand come this time next week. All right,
1: happy days. Good chat there uh let we're going to get on to mid-ranges i asked both of you to get sort of four or five mid-ranges that had piqued your interest and in that you would consider selecting we've spoken about a few of them i'm going to cut it down because i want to get to questions we've been running for a fair while already i'll get you to list your five mid-ranges or however many you've got there just go into detail on one of them for me i'll kick us off i've got Brenko lee cody walker who's at five percent ownership at the moment He's not a mid-ranger, but I just thought I'd throw him in as a... Mass- He's just a way bigger pod than I thought he was going to be. That's huge. Nick Kotrick's 360K. Cohen Hess is 350K and could be starting. And then another one who's just low ownership, not a mid-ranger, but Bronson Cherry at 520K. Back to the one who is a classic mid-ranger. Branko Lee for me. He was good on the weekend. He's gone down to the storm. He, If he starts in round one... He's in my team. He's 309K, which is an absolute Whoa. bargain. It's Between him and Marion Seve for that final centre spot, I saw an interview with Craig Bellamy from a day or two ago, and he's already said it's down to them too. I just think, as, assuming he's defensively okay there, Brinko and Bellamy's happy with that, His attacking upside is too hard to go past. Three of his six games were off the bench last season, so he averaged 37 points in only 53 minutes. With max game time in the seasons prior... He averaged 53, 57, and 51 points per game. That was at the Dogs, the Titans, and the <laughs> Raiders when they when they weren't real good. So just dud attacking outfits. The Raiders did have a few points in them, but still playing at the Storm, one of the best sides in the competition. I love Brinko Lee. Just I'm all for him. And yeah, as I said, if he gets an eight round one, while there'll be a bit of risk there, is in my side.
0: You know what? I'm a little bit worried about Zach Lomax. Not that I think anyone shouldn't pick him. He's, He's in my side. But if Branko Lee got named for Melbourne, knowing how they start the year and how good they are, I would probably swap Branko Lee in for Lomax. That's a big call, but I think I'd do it.
1: Yeah. And we'd be in a position where if Brenco got dropped or struggled, Lomax ran on fire, you just trade them round three. You know, we want to be limiting trades as much as possible, or the potential for trades, should I say, when naming around one side. But we do have that luxury of doing it before prices change. Des, I'll jump over to you. Who are your mid range options? Tell us about one of them.
2: Yeah. My five mid rangers were Jack Williams, Braden Burns, Jesse Ramian, Simonson, and Ash Taylor. Um, I've been looking at Simmonson. Like I know, last year he was he was a bit of a letdown for everyone who brought him in, but I, I still think he's got potential. He he really does. Uh, I I saw him sort of he was hitting his straps a little bit towards the back end of the season. You can you can see that he is he does have potential. He has super coach caliber to him. I think if the Raiders start start clicking a bit on his side, he might he might are uh, really surprise with some big scores.
1: Yeah, nice, mate. I, I like that shout on Simiton. He's cheap. He's, we know he's got yeah. the attacking output. Uh, and then the other thing, which is if he is a guy you're going with regardless, he's also one injury play, away from playing fullback, in which case he'd be a massive option. So happy with that. Spire, what have you got, mate? I won't go in,
0: into anyone specific. I just want to reiterate how, how many mid-range forwards there are. Um, Des, you just mentioned Jackie Williams. He's such a good player, and he'll come right into contention for me if named to start next week. We might try to do some digging on the minutes at the Sharks, what their rotation may be. But again, just having a quick look at my forwards with Horsberg, Luciano Le Lua, Liam Knight, Paddy Carrigan, Jaden Sewer, they're all guys that could score you know, 50-plus for me at a cheap range build their price, get me points, and just set me up for the season. Whether they all stay in my side come next week, I'm not sure, but it looks pretty good to me on paper at the moment, and I don't mind either any of those guys.
1: Beautiful. And that ties into our first question perfectly from Dom Politano. If you had to pick one of the following, who would you go with? Horsberg, Tapanay, Flegler, or Carrigan? Des? Uh,
2: I'd go, I'd go Tapanay, I think. I think he's got the most caliber out of all those guys. It's That's right. a
0: bloody tough question. Um, I would say almost Carrigan, except just that concern around Joe Offing and Garha coming back. So I'm going to go
1: Red Horse, Corey Horsberg. Yeah, I like Joe Tapanay because of his upside, but I think there's a fair bit of security in Corey Horsberg, especially with Tapanay's injury history and Hors- and Bateman coming back. So it's big red for me as well. Uh, Cyril Jenkinson with a good shout Guys, there's been no talk of Nofaluma as a pod. He was good again on the weekend in the trial game against the Warriors. He's flown under the radar. Why are all the experts going for such low-cost center wings and ignoring a gun like him? It could be a real pod. First four games against the Dragons, Knights, Dogs, and Warriors. While everyone else accepts their 30 points from Lomax and Code, Nofa will be breaking tackles for a regular 65-plus scores. Not a bad shout, Des.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's 600k. You, you can't really guarantee that he's going to get 65 plus scores. Though. He relies on attacking stats. So if, if you want to spend 600k on someone, you want to spend it on a forward because they're just more consistent. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, that's it. And that's the reason no one really vouches for the high end centres to start the start the year. I definitely agree, Nofaluma could be outstanding. And you know what, mate? If you want to put him on your side, go for it because he could go off, like you said, especially outside Luciano and BJ Leilur and Benji. They're all good ball players and his base stats are outstanding. One thing that often worries me about Nofaluma is. His spot isn't secure. He's not great defensively at times, and he did it again in the trial on the weekend. If you have a look at the the try the Tigers conceded. He shot up and got a bit lost in no man's land. And I know with a coach um, such as Madge Maguire, that would worry me that he goes, we can't have that. But again, back to that thing, he's got great base, great base stats, could score tries. If you want to back yourself in, go for it, but just know that you could get burnt if he doesn't go big because it's a lot of money to spend on a volatile position such as centre.
1: Ryan Patton asks, any love for Joel Thompson? Sorry, mate, but no love for Joel Thompson. Love him as a bloke, does a lot of good things for the game, but super coach-wise, he's just not relevant. Billy Robinson has a really good question. Is Zach Lomax still a good pickup after the horror show against the Bunnies, or is he this year's Jordan Tahu? Quick digression there, a little story for you. Last year, I may have told this on the show already, so apologies if I'm repeating myself, but I... Tossed and turned over Charles Nickel, Clockstad and Jordan Carhu to start last year. I went with Carhu, of course, despite being a Raiders fan, despite being a Charns fan. Spoke to him pre-season, really liked him, watched him play the trial game last year, went against it. I stuck with who it cost me a couple of hundred grand and was just it was the worst thing I could have done last season. What a dagger. But he raises a good point because, I mean, I know Zach Lomax scored okay last year in about 55 55- to game time. Dez, do you think he has a point there? Um. Yeah. I
2: mean, I started with Kahu as well last season, so you're not alone. I started with Kahu and CNK. Um. But, yeah, I think that it could happen, of course, but I think Blomax is just its too good to pass off a goal-kicking fullback at that price, and that's why I didn't pass off on Kahu last season, even though he's, he's not that good supercoach-wise. I think you just can't pass him off. It's just yeah, that's too high, too high ownership. You
0: don't want to fall behind. That's fair enough, Des. Um, but I, I did sort of mention briefly before that I'm a little bit colder on Zach Lomax than I was previously. All I would say is I don't think he's an absolute mm. must have in the centres. I agree you probably should have him and he's in my side at the moment, but don't think that you absolutely have to put him in just because everyone else is. If you want to go a different direction and want to back yourself in, that's
1: fine, I would think. Yeah, I'm with you, Spy. I, I like. Lomax, and he'll be in my team, but I don't think he's a a bloke you have to have. He's definitely not a must-have, and and there's a chance that he doesn't do as well as we think, so don't be afraid to go against it if you're not backing him in for a big year. Connor Forgery has a really good question. With the limited amount of trusted cheapies in centre wing, do you think it is better to select the 300-200k price players, basically the cheapies, or the higher-end cheapies, based on scoring or attacking potential, or plays with more secure base stats. So basically, outside backs versus forwards. So if that all made sense, which hopefully it did, I'm going to jump in and say I'd be looking at another element, and that's job security. Because there is such terrible job security around all these guys, I'd just be looking at the bloke who looks set to play five to ten games and definitely get a run. Points obviously have to come into consideration, but... I'll I'll be going job security over both of those fats early in the season. Des, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. But if if we're going off the other two purely, I think base starts is more important. The game is so it's so reliant on base stats. Like they're pretty much everything. Seventy to eighty percent of your points across the SuperCoach season will be base starts.
1: Okay, so you have a guaranteed thirty-five base from a bench forward say they get 35 points for the, the round, 35-40, or you have an outside back, at not such a great team, could get 20, could get 80 with a couple of tries, you'd be going the forward.
2: Um, no, no, I'd be going the <laughs> if i had a ceiling
1: of 80. <laughs> I, I've tweaked those stats a lot, <laughs> so it was nothing against that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Spy?
0: Yeah, I'm... It's a good question because I'm not necessarily massive on cheapy center base stats. Um, I think any cheap center is going to probably rely on sort of attacking stats as well so whoever you pick you're probably going to want them to score tries i don't know if anyone who's a cheapie in the centers is good enough to have the the base stats to warrant picking them i agree what des says if you had someone that you knew would do the work and get your lock in at least 30 for you then that would be fantastic but i don't know if there's many of those guys around so maybe have a look at who they're playing what back line they're playing on the end of and think who's going to potentially score the most tries early if you're going to go the cheapie centers that'd be my thoughts
1: beautiful uh, Zach Smith, a proud Coomer Stallion, he asked just a few to raise in conversation, which I'll take because he's asked about Sean Kepi and Tyrell Fuimaono. I spent half of preseason doing up a cheapy analysis of 52 players or something silly. So I've had a good look into these guys, and I really like Sean Kepi, to be honest. He, There's not a lot of forward depth at Manly. Jake Chaboy, which is going to miss the first few rounds. Um, who else? Uh, looks like the first few rounds, potentially up to the first month. Um, I don't know how many minutes Tepiao will play there, but Kepi is an outside chance at even getting a starting role. And even when these guys come back from injury, I think there's decent enough minutes for him there at a very low price. So very keen on Sean Kepi. I have him very high up my ratings for Kepi, uh, for Cheapy, should I say. And Fui Maiano's a guy. He's moved to the Dragons. He looked really good in the Charity Shield on the weekend few injury concerns and a few other things That the Dragons. They do have a lot of depth in the forwards, but I can see maybe sneaking onto the bench, but they just have a lot of big minute forwards. So just if you do pick in, be very cautious, because I don't think there's going to be too many minutes there. Uh, moving on, we'll do one or two more, and then we'll, we'll finish up here. What have we got? Which is the better or safer way for me to go? Happy Coruscant and Malolo or Damian Cook and Tom Burgess? Des?
2: Uh Coruscant and Tom Lolo, right. without a doubt.
1: Spite? 100 million percent.
0: That is my combination at the moment of hooker and second row and Tommy Burgess, steer clear for yeah. sure, mate.
1: Yeah, that was a question from Casho. John Pappas, I'll jump in quickly here. Arrow or Nathan Brown? Definitely Jai Arrow. He could be on for increased minutes <coughs> this year and could be a serious buy at about 570K. Nathan Brown, the Parramatta have a stacked forward back this year. There's just not enough minutes on offer with um, Nakora there, um, they've got the Nicola they've got Ryan Madison they've got Sean Lane um, I just don't see Brown getting as many minutes as he needs to become super coach relevant as well as that on Brown he's just a walking injury he plays so hard the guy he's not that
0: big and he either gets himself knocked out or hurt I started with him last year because his work rate's so good and he got hurt within a few rounds and hurt me uh, burnt me pretty bad so yeah stick clear of Brown is is my
1: tip cool Is uh, in a question from That's plumman and we might wrap it up with this one uh, it's a good question, and I've had a good think about it, and I've looked at it, looked at it, looked at it. Do you subscribe to the theory that middle forwards generally start the season with reduced minutes due to warm weather and or lack of match fitness, i.e. Tamalolo? And if so, how does this affect your initial salary cap distribution? Des?
2: Um, uh, not, not really. I don't think it's really relevant for someone like Tamalolo or even Jake or those sort of guys. The, those are the guns that you have in your side anyway, so you know sort of what minutes they're going to get. So I, I don't really subscribe to that theory at all.
1: Yeah, I've had I've had a stack of a look into this, and generally speaking, they will play close to their regular minutes from round one, injury and whatnot, penny from preseason. There will be guys who will need the match fitness and will start a little bit slower. Tao is not one of them because I've had a really good look into his minutes to start the season. But jump on nrlsupercoachstats.com.au you can bring up all the stats from players from last year the year before the year before and if you're looking at guys like tapau and andrew Fifita and all these fellas you can have a look at what they started the season with and that'll answer your question for you if you have any issues so check that out spy very good question and a
0: very good name that's Plumman. um the only reason i'd look into that at all is say it was round one or two and you know a team's got a couple of Sunday afternoon games potentially it could be 30 35 plus degrees I know there was a game in Brookvale a year or two ago it was about 40 degrees someone got trounced that day from memory but it did mean the middle forwards got a lot of rotation but in saying that there's not many days are going to be 35 plus so I wouldn't let it I wouldn't not pick someone because
1: of it but it is the logic there I do like the logic but don't don't overthink it yeah, good stuff, mate. Dez, thanks for coming on again, mate.
2: Always a pleasure. Excited for next week.
0: Cheers, Des. Spite. Thanks, lads. It's been very good again. Good fun. Thanks, guys.